Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, the book of 1 Samuel, the 1 Samuel chapter uh, 15 uh, this morning. Now, this morning I have, uh, I have here the, uh, the envelope, and I always used to love watching the, uh, the spy movies and the spy shows when I, I would grow up, and uh, they'd always become a, a, a part like a Mission Impossible and some of theirs where uh, the, uh, the spy would be handled or the agent would be handled this, uh, this envelope, and they would open up the envelope, and uh, in it would be a, a piece of paper, and on that piece of paper would be written uh, these words, your mission should you choose to accept it. And, uh, and then the instructions would go on to tell what the instructions and what the objective of the mission was to do. And uh, the agent's job was to follow out those instructions uh, the way that they were written there on the paper. And, of course, at the bottom of the paper uh, would say something like this. It's like, if you are, are caught, we will uh, devise uh, any knowledge of your existence whatsoever and, of course, uh, this message will self-destruct in uh, 10 seconds. And uh, I don't know what they did to make that message destruct, but uh, I hope I don't get none of that mail. And uh, I think uh, the secret uh, mission that was in this particular envelope is that I was supposed to insert a certain amount of money and send it back to them by a specific day. Now, this morning in, uh, in 1 Samuel, Saul is being sent on a mission. God has given him a mission, and just like the Blues Brothers, they were on a mission from God. Uh, He was on a mission from God, but Saul, unlike any good agent, didn't accomplish his mission because he didn't follow the instructions. And so this morning, as we read through Samuel, and as we see what Saul's mission was and how he refused to follow the instructions. Let us look and let's search in our heart to realize that God has called each and every one of us to his mission. And the most important thing in our mission with God is to follow the instructions. So let's read 1 Samuel chapter 15. Let's begin with verse number 1. It says, And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what uh, Amalek did to Israel when opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go, strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So um, So Saul summoned the people. And uh, and numbered them at Talon, 200,000 men on foot, and then thousands of men in Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay at wait, and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from here among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Canaanites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havav as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agai, king of the Amalekites, alive, and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, of the oxen, of the fattened calves, and the lambs, and all that was good. 
he would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel, Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early and met Saul in the morning. And it was, and it, he told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, it was set up on a monument for himself, and turned and passed on and went to Gagal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you, the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this blattering of sheep of my ears and this lowing of oxen that I hear? Saul said, Well, they have brought them uh, from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen for the sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop, I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Thus says the Lord to have him speak. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go devote to destruction uh, the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pronounce... Uh, uh, why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission, and with the Lord sent me. And I have brought Agag, the king of, Amal of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took the spoil, the sheep, the oxen, the best of things, devoted to destruction, to sacrifice the Lord our God at Gilgal. And Samuel said, as the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice, as in the obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption as the iniquity of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you from being king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful, Lord, for your word, Lord, and how it guides us in our life. Lord, as we read through uh, this scripture this morning, Lord, may we remind it, Lord, that you have sent us all on a mission. And Lord, to redevote ourselves to the understanding that really what you require of us is that we listen to your voice, that we listen to your words, and that we obey you. Because, Lord, to obey is indeed better than sacrifice. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The last uh, chapters of, uh, of, I mean, the last uh, verses of chapter 14 that we did not cover last week, Samuel, I mean, Saul was... Uh, I get Samuel and Saul. I feel like, you know, a lot of you dads that have multiple kids, you know, you get real angry and you start yelling at them and you just forget their names and you have to go through all their names before you get to them. Come here, John, Jake, Mark, Andrew, you know. And she, I, I sort of feel like that. But, uh, but anyway, Saul has been anointed king. And uh, 
We saw in these last uh, verses of chapter, uh, last uh, verses of chapter fourteen, buddy. He was on a roll. Uh, God had sent him out, and uh, he pretty much uh, whipped everybody. He whipped the people of Moab. He whipped the people of Edom. He whipped the uh, people of the Philistine, buddy. He was on a roll and destroyed everybody. And uh, then in chapter fifteen, we see that God has sent, God has sent Saul on a mission. He has a very special mission that he wants him to do. And this message, this uh, mission really didn't have as much to do with them as a people as it did with the nature of the person of God. Because what he was called to do is that he was to go and destroy the Amalekites. Because the Amalekites were the ones who just as the people were coming out of Egypt, They had been in the wilderness for maybe a month or so, about two months or so, and the Amalekites came and tried to attack them. They tried to defeat them. And we all uh, remember at that battle, that was the one to where, you know, Moses would lift up his hands, and as long as his hands were up, they won. But when he got tired and they came down, the people started losing, so they propped up his hands. And after that battle, God said, I am going to utterly destroy you, Amalekites. You just write this down. And so what is happening to the Amalekites are what Saul, I mean, what God had told Saul to do to the Amalekites was a judgment that was over 400 years in the making. Now that's something before we get into Saul and what he did and didn't do, we need to remember because that reminds us of what God's promises are like and what God's timing is like. He made that promise, and it took 400 years before the time had come for God to fulfill that promise. You know that verse about a thousand years is a day and a thousand years uh, are days a thousand years? This is a good example of that, is that we can have the assurance that God's promises are are true, even though that it takes longer than what we may think for him to accomplish those things. And so we know that if God promises judgment, he will bring it, even if it takes over 400 years. But we also see another people that just as he was beginning, or just before he began his uh, attack on the Amalekites, he gave instructions to the Kenites, the Kenites, to go and evacuate. So who were the Kenites? Those were the people of Jethro. Those were the people of Moses' father-in-law who did great things and helped the people of Israel in their infancy as they walked through the desert. And because of their faithfulness, as they came into the promised land, you know, Moses called his father-in-law and said, hey, y'all need to come move in here with us. There's nothing left for you in the desert. Come be a part of us because of the goodness that you have done. And so not only is God true in delivering the fact when he says that he's going to bring judgment, he'll bring judgment, but God will also remember the goodness we do for his name just as long. So this was a a judgment that was 400 years in the making, but it was also a blessing and a goodness and a promise that God had set in stone for over 400 years. 
What a great God that we serve, that we know his promises are true. And so Saul is sent out on this mission. He said, I want you to go, and I want you to bring that judgment that's supposed to come on theirs. This isn't about you. This isn't about Israel. This is about me and bringing judgment on these people. You are my vessel. You are my instrument. So he sends Saul out there. And so Saul goes out there. He assembles all the people. Man, he's got a lot of, a lot of troops. We go out there, and he just utterly whips the Amalekites. But he doesn't follow the instructions. He was tried and told, to look, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go and you're going to kill them all. You're going to devote everything to destruction. You're going to leave nothing left of them because that's what I told you to do. But Saul didn't follow the instructions. And so when they brought back King Agog, God knew on that night, And he summoned uh, Samuel there in a dream. He said, man, I hate. I hate that I made Saul king because he has turned from following me. And so this makes Samuel upset because I'm sure that God has told, because I'm sure that God has told Samuel what Saul has done. And so Samuel gets up and he is going to confront Saul. And so he goes to confront Saul And Saul meets him, and Saul is happy because Saul thinks that he has done everything that God had wanted him to do. He thinks that Samuel is going to come, talk about how good of a person he is. Samuel is going to come and talk and rejoice with him because of the victory that was won. And so Samuel says, hey, where have you been? What have you done? And Saul insists, Saul insists that he's done everything right. He said, well, you know, I did just what God had told me to do. I have accomplished the mission. I went and destroyed the people. And then Samuel says, then what's this sound of sheep that I hear? What's this sound of ox that I hear? And Samuel, I mean, Saul goes, you know what? I mean, uh, well, you know, we brought these, the best of the things that you told us we brought the, the, the king because we want to, uh, you know, let everybody know what we've done. And uh, I, I set up this monument, and we're going to sacrifice this to the Lord. And he thinks there's nothing wrong. Saul doesn't think there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to know where it was that Saul went wrong. Saul, instead of being on a mission for God, went on a mission for himself. Isn't that like some of us as Christians? God sends us out to do something for his name, but we turn it into something we do for ourselves. You know, God has called us or we're involved of something that's of God, whether we're teaching a class or whether we're doing a ministry or we're doing some type of kindness. And instead of making it something that we're doing for the Lord, but we're really doing it for ourselves. I'm sure that you heard uh, this week about the preacher up in New York uh, who got robbed during the middle of the live stream service. And tell you what kind of preacher he was. They came into uh, his church and uh, robbed him and his wife. And uh, they got uh, away. And between him and his wife, they were able to steal $1 million worth of jewelry. 
I tell you what, if uh, somebody comes in here and robs me during this sermon, they ain't going to get enough gas money to get out of the parking lot. They were claiming to do something for the Lord, but really they were in it for themselves. Saul was claiming to do something for the Lord, but he turned it into something that he was doing for himself, for his own gain and for his own honor. And since he was doing it for himself, he did it his way. And what is the way that he did it? He did it the way that all the other great kings did, the way that all other great armies, he did it this way. This is how you go. You go and you conquer. You go and you take the spoil. You go and you bring the king back and you have a parade and you make a statement. So he did it for himself. And since it was for himself, he neglected God's instructions and did it his way. And so therefore, he did it for his glory. Where had Saul just come for him before he met met Samuel? He was coming from setting up a monument to himself. God had sent it on his mission. God had sent it on a mission from God. But yet he turned it into a mission that was for his self, to be done his way for his glory. And so Samuel confronts him, but he still says his uh, his innocence. And then finally, Samuel just says, stop, stop. I just don't want to hear no more. You are so off course. You are so far away from understanding what it is that you're supposed to be doing and what has God asked you to do? You are so fundamentally flawed in the way that you're thinking, in the way that your heart is. I just want you to stop because I want to explain to you something. What does Samuel want to explain to to Samuel? He wants to explain something that he wants all of you to know. So we need to pay attention as the Lord speaks through Samuel in verses 20 and verse up. 22, he says, and Samuel says to him, has the Lord as great a joy? Does the Lord take as great a delight in sacrifices and is in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen and the fat of rams. He wants them to know, first of all, what God really wants from us. What does God really want from us? Does God want our money? Does God want our time? Does God want sacrifices? Does God want us to bring him something? You think about how ridiculous that is. God doesn't need your things. God has created all things. There's nothing that he needs from you. He doesn't need your sacrifice. He doesn't need your offering. He doesn't need your things. What God really wants from us is for us to 
to listen. Us to listen to Him. For us to have that relationship to we to the point that we pay attention to what God is instructing for us to do. Not only as we read God's general instructions that He gives for us in His Scripture, but also as we hear the Lord speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. He wants us to listen to Him. He wants our ears to be open to what He has to say. He wants our attention. And then He wants us to obey. He wants to follow His instructions the way that they were given. It's pretty simple, and it's pretty straightforward. But why do so many of us fail? Why is it that we really have no problem with giving things to God, with giving a certain allotment to supposedly God's service, but yet we can't give Him our heart? Rather, we're not attentive to want to have that relationship to the point where we'll listen and that we have enough love and trust in God to the point that we will obey. God says, I'm not interested in the sacrifices. I'm not interested in the rams. I'm not interested in goats. I'm not interested in ox. I'm not interested in silver. I'm not interested in gold. But what I really want from you is your ears, your attention, and your obedience. But what are the things, he says, now he's going to tell us, what are the things that keep us? What are the things that keep us from having that relationship with God? What are the things that keep us from following God's instructions? What are the things that keep us from obeying? They're listed for us there. In verse 23, it says, For rebellion is the sin of divination, and presumption is the iniquity of idolatry. The two things, the two things that will destroy our right relationship with God is number one, rebellion. Rebellion. When we know absolutely what God wants us to do in our life, but yet we refuse to do it. Now, there's two type of things that God really talks about in Scripture. First of all, He talks about ignorance. Now, y'all don't start pointing fingers when we start talking about ignorance. But uh, ignorance is to not know. And as God talked about the Gentiles, as He talked about the people who did not know the law, and as He spoke to them, He said that they lived in ignorance. They did wrong because they did not know better. They did not do right because they did not know what God required. And so they were ignorant. They didn't know the instructions. But then He talked about His people. His people were rebellious. His people were rebellious. And what does it mean to be rebellious? It means to know exactly what it is that God wants you to do and yet not doing it. So many of us as Christians live in rebellion. And if you live in a relationship with Christ long enough, you'll go through times of rebellion in your life. I know I have when you feel that God's calling you to do something and you say, nope, not going to do it. And you start turning out your ears. You start closing your eyes. And you start walking away from God because you're rebellion. 
That's what happened to Job. That's what happened to the people of Israel. Is they knew exactly what God wanted them to do. But they refused to do it. So rebellion. Rebellion keeps us from a right relationship with God. It keeps us from accomplishing our missions. But then there's also presumption. What is presumption? Presumption is thinking that you know, that you already know. The thinking that you already know what God wants you to do. To think that you already know what's best. To think that you already know how God wants you to do something. And you make of it not out of a knowledge of Scripture, but rather out of the knowledge of your own heart. And that's exactly what Saul did. Instead of doing exactly what God wanted him to do, he presumed that this is how you ought to do it. And there's a problem when we presume as people what God wants us to do or how God wants us to act or how God wants us to go about something. And the the problem is that we don't know because we are flawed, lost sinners. Our minds are perverted, and the only ways that we really know of ourselves are the ways that are taught to us by the world. Jesus explained it this way when he talked about the wineskins and when he talked about the fabric. And um, when he talked about the wineskins, he said that you don't take new wine and put it into old wineskins because when you put the new wine, when you put new wine in new wine skins, it, it expands because of the gases that form. And so if you try to put new wine into that old wine skin, that wine skin is already stretched as far as it's going to go, so it can't expand no more, and so it breaks. And then he talks about the fabric that you don't put, you don't put a new patch on an old garment. Because eventually it'll just rip it away. And what he was trying, what Jesus was trying to get people to understand is you can't put the knowledge of God into your old way of thinking. You can't just have a reformed way of life, but yet you have to let God progressively destroy everything, to tear down everything that you know about life and what it means to live and what it means to be happy and what it means to fulfillment and what our purpose should be and how we should do things. We should allow God to strip all of what we thought we knew and let it to be born fresh and anew by the Word of God. But too many times we try to push God into our old way of life. And so we presume how God wants us to maintain our friendships. We presume how we think that God wants us to handle our marriages, how God wants to conduct ourselves to church. But all we're really trying to do is just force our new faith in Jesus with the old ways of doing things. And they don't match And they didn't match for Saul because what he did is he was sent on a mission to go conquer people. And he went in and did it the way all the worldly kings do it. Taking the spoil, taking the kings, setting up the monument for themselves because he thought that's the way that God wanted him to do it. Because 
That's the way everybody else was doing it. So instead of following the instructions of God, he followed the patterns of the world. And sadly, we see what the consequences are. There in verse number 24, or actually just the uh, last part of verse number 23, it says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. What a sad state. When you refuse to do the Lord's mission, the Lord's way, the Lord says, hey, I'm putting you off the team. Now I'm going to find somebody else. You know, a lot of us get stuck to the fact we won't even accept the mission. We won't even try to do anything. We get stuck in chapter 14 where we're not like Jonathan to give things a try. But even sometimes where we'll go out and we'll try to do something for the Lord, but we won't do it the Lord's way. And since we won't do it the Lord's way, he rejects us. We have to remember that we are on the Lord's mission. And if you're on the Lord's mission, then the Lord is the one who's running the show. And if you're on the Lord's mission, then you have to follow the Lord's instructions. But why don't we? Why don't we? Why are we so presumptuous? Why are we so rebellious? Why don't we follow God? Why don't we listen to his instructions? Because we're a lot like Saul. Let's look at verse number 24. It says, And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord in your words. Why? Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Let's be honest. Isn't that the big reason why a lot of us don't follow God's instructions? Because we fear the people. Because God is telling us to do something that's so opposite of what the people want to do. We're afraid of the rejection. We're afraid of going against the grain. We're afraid of any of that. We're afraid of what the consequences might be. Because we fear the people, we turn away from the instructions of the Lord. Many of us in following God's instruction are going to have to determine who and what it is that we really love. And sometimes in order to follow God's instructions, we have to love God more than our friends. It's tough, but that's what we have to do. Sometimes in order to follow God's instructions for our life, we have to love God more than our spouses. It's tough, but that's what God has told us to do. Sometimes in order to follow God's instructions, we have to love God more than we love our jobs. And sometimes in order to follow God's instructions, we have to love God more than we love some of the people at our church. We always have to understand that we have all been sent on a mission from God and that he sets the standards and he sets the instructions by which we should do it. And we shouldn't let the fear of any type of loss 
turn us away. Because the God that we serve keeps his promises. So he feared feared the people. But most importantly, this happened. It's in verse 25. It says, Now therefore, please pardon me my sin and return me. And now before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you. For you have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you. And you being king over Samuel. And Samuel turned to go away. And Saul seized the skirt of the robe. And he tore it. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel for the Lord you this day and give it to the neighbor of yours who is better than you. Even after he was rejected by the Lord, he wanted Samuel to do one more thing. He wanted him to go with him to Gilgal so that he could give him, that being Saul, the honor of that great victory to have Samuel standing there at the victory parade. We see that not only Saul feared other people, but Saul really just loved himself. He never could get past the selfishness that was in his heart. And too many of us, too many of us won't follow God's instructions and won't complete God's mission because we never can completely lose our selfishness. So where are you this morning? We know that we are all called to be on mission from God. That's what he has for all of us. That's what our purpose in life is. And when we come to Christ, we accept and we understand that, that we are now his witnesses to all the ends of the earth, that we live our lives not for ourselves, but we live our, our, our lives for service in the kingdom of God. So we're all on a mission. And God has outlined for us the instructions for that mission. What are you living at this morning? Or have you let fear of the people and the selfishness of your heart produce the rebellion and presumptuous heart that calls you to turn away from him. Let's finish our mission. Let's run our race. Let's follow the instructions that God has laid out for us because what he wants most out of us is our obedience to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for all the many things that you've blessed us with. Lord, I thank you for calling me and all those here this morning that know you as their personal Lord and Savior. And I pray that if there's someone here that has not accepted that calling in their life, that they'll receive it this morning. Come receive the gift of salvation. But for the rest of us here, we focus to say, Lord, have we been obedient? Have we followed you? Or have we let fear and selfishness Keep us from living the mission that you have called us to. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing a hymn of invitation.